Welcome to Movie to Beer, everybody. This is Dan, and we have our three amazing friend and co-hosts with us on this wonderful episode where we're going to talk about a really old film from 1981. It's it's rather old. It's yeah. almost as old as the people on the podcast. It can't be really old if we're not really old, so it's fairly it's old. It's fairly old. It's older than me. And it's it stars God Kurt Russell, it. and it was like written and co-directed or directed John Carpenter. John Carpenter. Oh, oh, hey, hold on, hold on. Oh, let's introduce our hosts before we introduce the movie. I mean, we're going to we're going to go around the table here and, yeah. and we're going to hear about who's at the table. Who's or at the, who's table, at the table? I uh, well, uh, good evening or morning or whatever, dear listener. This is Aaron. I'm your ridiculously large gun silencer expert. Yes. I'm Blake. I'll be your Kurt Russell expert this evening. You know, he played Ego the Living Planet in Guardians of the Galaxy 2. And Wyatt Earp in Tombstone. And a lot of other things, too. And I'm Brian, your Cadillac chandelier expert. Yeah, oh, dude. Well done. What, what? Man. All right, Brian, so, I like yours better than mine. I got to say, like, well done. Well, 1981. I've got more experience. Escape from New York. <laughs> Driving older. chandelier cars. So, so the question is, is, did Brian see this in the theater? In 1981? Yeah, did Brian see the theater? It would have been like 12 or 13, maybe. No, no. It was R-rated. No, this was one that we snuck at a friend's house who had HBO. What? HBO? Wow. It's it's not television. It's HBO. It was the home box office before they started Mm. doing like Game of Thrones all the time. All right. And and, and (laughs) for you youngins out there, this film takes place in 1997. In the far future of 1997. Yes. Where they did not have cell phones or pagers or beepers. They had giant boxes that had what, little beepy they, screens They on had a, a massive penal colony that was the island of Manhattan. Yeah, they took the most some of the most expensive real estate in the world at that time, <laughs> and they decided to make a giant prison. Great idea. With Great a idea. gorgeous oh, yeah. soundtrack. I mean, have you were you in New York in the late 80s, early 80s? I was 90s? alive, was pretty I was alive in 1981, by, by barely, but like uh, yeah, but I was not in New York. What's funny is I might have been. I went there for a high school French trip. <laughs> And it seemed fine then. When you were like zero years old? Minus three years old. (laughs) Well, not during this movie. I was in 2000-something when I was in high school. Oh, you were talking 1997. I was talking about when I was in high school French, and we went to New York. Oh. So So not, okay. Uh, Je m'appelle Blake. Oh. Um, I would like pan, which is bread. Yeah. Don't give me any merit, which is shit. <laughs> fromage. That's cheese. Lots of fromage. Oh, so, Sophie Marceau. Like, we own all the important. And, and speaking of <laughs> cheese, we watched this film. Boy, howdy. That's a yeah. really good segue. Thanks this for film taking called us back Escape on track. From New York. Escape from New York. And we had a couple beers. Tell us we about did. the beers, Well, Dan. okay. So we'll, we'll mention these shortly. And talking more in depth in a moment. We did have a Grains of Wrath, wonderful West Coast IPA called Dystopia, which was selected based solely on the can art because it's got like a New York cityscape with a skull and it's like the whole point of the film is it's a dystopian future. Yeah. And then the other one we had, which is from Fast Fashion, which is out of Seattle, they have a a taproom and a brewery location, uh, is also an IPA. Both of these are IPAs. And the second one, I think, went a little bit better, but we'll talk about that in the future. Because the future the, the is way future away of 1997. From the future. <laughs> like, it's, it's the beer is called Pocket Forensics. It's one of those strange beers that it says the name, but the type is so freaking small on the label, it's not readable. So you just have to know what it's called because it's not mentioned anywhere else on the can. Oh, good lord, you're right. Yeah, yeah that is super duper tinky, tiny on the right. label. But yeah, so both interesting beers. We acquired them. We were I I was out 
getting food with some friends, one of which is at the table. And I was like, hey, I need to pick up some beer for the podcast. And so, yeah, you. We were with friends. Like Blake's pointing at himself going, me? You bought these then? Yeah. These oh, were, cool. These I wasn't were, aware. I was I was wrangling our friends who are insane. Yes. Well, we, who uh, shall not be mentioned right. at this moment in time. But well, yes, we have friends outside of this group. You know, there were friends in this movie also. There were friends in this movie. And they shot guns for each other, which they we sure would did. probably do. I would shoot a gun Would for you call Brain a friend or like an old acquaintance? Because they seem or pretty a, unfriendly. A frenemy. A frenemy. Yeah, yeah kind of a frenemy. Snake? Snake the, didn't have any friends, really. Well, he just had uh, people he so knew. To to orient our dear listener here, this is a movie yeah. I have never seen this before. This this uh, venerable classic of a movie. Uh, I'd say cult classic. Um, I, I, I used the word venerable. Um, you shouldn't. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so it, we we have Manhattan Island has been turned into an enormous prison because the United States crime is up four hundred percent. Right, four hundred percent. The United States has gone downhill. It's no longer exactly the future that we yeah. know or the country we know. It's, it's intimated that we're at war with both China and Russia. Right. There have been uh, right. military operations in Siberia yes. and Leningrad. <laughs> yes. And so there's this history and and kind of uh, uh, world building that's happened because yeah. our 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 protagonist references some of his special ops work that's taken place in these various locations. It, 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 well, our, our president, uh, this isn't really a spoiler, it happens in the first three minutes, but our president, well, after the credits, the okay. first three minutes, the president is um, lost over this vast penal colony when his plane goes down. Right. He, he's on his way to a peace summit with China and Russia. Right. With, with a very important uh, cassette, cassette tape. Yeah. Yes. A recording, as it were. Which was, I genuinely forgot what it was. I'm not doing a bit. I, it honestly, was something about cold fusion. nuclear, cold fusion. And that's nuclear right, that's right. It was like, hey, the United yeah. States is going to share cold fusion with these countries it's at war with. Because that's maybe they'll right. stop being at war with us if we yeah. give them our most sensitive secrets. But since the, the president's plane crashes due to, it was some kind of like terrorist, right? Like yeah, they, they got in and took it. Who, who and so got in and the American forces yeah. recruit a former... A Green Beret, kind like of Green dude, Beret, top tier badass who, who turned to robbing who, the the fort, you know, uh, the the a Federal Reserve, who is a criminal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got him to because you know they they go Why in themselves not? and they're yeah. told by some rando crazy person, if you don't leave, we're going to destroy, we're going to kill the president, and so they have to go get someone to get in undetected secretly real, real sneaky like what, and that's where we meet our, our our protagonist search and recover mission with our protagonist being sent snake in plissken. He, snake plissken and he'll be given a full pardon for his extensive crimes Pretty. if if he can do two things if he can recover the president mm -hmm. uh, and bring him back out and if he can deliver a line in a different emotional tone than that every other a, line in that the was film. something you wanted that's not that wasn't required <laughs> oh, we but failed that second all mission. right so this it. film starred kurt russell Yes. Yeah, and sure we have two different opinions about his acting in this film, yes, which we we're do. about to talk about right now. <coughs> One is the size of a pea, and the other is the size of a pea. <laughs> All right, <laughs> which do you choose? Because they're pretty shallow, narrow, and really specific. So, Blake, why don't you tell <laughs> us about your opinion of his acting? I liked it. Now, it might be colored by time and knowing what he inspired, but I liked it. You know, it's feels fairly standard 80s badass lead man. Bit of trivia. He has an eye patch in the movie. Kurt Russell did that the first day of shooting. Didn't tell anyone. Said, I think it'd be cool if he had an eye patch. And John Carpenter just agreed with it. Because John Carpenter does seem like the kind of director, writer to say, you know what? That seems cool. Let's go with it. 
I think that, you know, based on what was happening, and actually this film was written based off of what happened in the Watergate scandal. Yeah, yeah that's part of what inspired on, him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it primarily was filmed in St. Louis, Missouri, uh, for about six million bucks. And they were. 1981 there were, dollars? Yeah, wow. 1980. That's a yeah, lot back dude, then. That was. But they did shoot some stuff in New York. Uh, it was it was released in July of eighty one. It got a lot of reviews. It grossed over twenty five million, so it made a lot more than it was made for, which so is it, a good profitable sign. by Hollywood standards. It was, it was a, a very successful film. It it was considered one of the best science fiction films of that year. Right, so, and it, and there was a sequel called Escape, Escape from, from L A. Right, right, right. But later it, in like ninety six, and it also starred. It was written and directed by Carpenter, and also starred Kurt Russell. Was so, that set in nineteen ninety seven as well? I don't remember. It wasn't as good, All right. no. which is saying something. It is. <laughs> so that's my little two cents. I, I think I like there's it. a lot of really good throwbacks. Uh, there's a lot of, there's a few scenes of like suspension of belief. There's not a lot of special effects. It's very practical. Yeah. The, most of the effects were very practical. I mean, and, and there weren't a lot of them. There were like some, some planes flying, some escape pod eggs falling through Buildings or buildings. I, I found the thing about the the computer graphics. I was trying to remember the wireframe computer graphics on the uh, the glider when a uh, snake person's gliding in. It shows port starboard and nose view, and it's all like grids and, so and the, all that stuff. The head up display for the glide, the secret glider when sna- yeah. snake when is infiltrating the prison. Yeah, computers capable of three D wireframe imaging were too expensive at the time, so special effects designers built a model of the city painted it black, attached bright white tape to the model buildings in an orderly grid, and moved a camera through a model city. Yeah. Like, that wasn't computer graphics. That was just practical effects. That was a practical they did to save money. I didn't realize. That like, was that was it looks like, good, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. janky computers yeah. of the area. It does. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it it, it kind of looked like Tron in a lot of ways. A little like, bit. How they are, are like Star Another Wars. Another Kurt Russell classic. Yes. Which I think uh, we've done on the podcast. <laughs> yes. But, uh, but yeah, he, he goes in, uh, Snake Plissken goes in, immediately faces a bunch of hardships. We meet like the weird characters of this this massive kind of society at this point. Like when well, in their, They in have their, their own art and their own theater. Own they have art, their own, own theater. Yeah. They've, they've got, got a the society of rat people. Well, there's a, a political structure with a duke. Yep. Uh, played by Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Well, Damn, you, right? you know, the, <clears throat> this story is a, a classical hero's journey. Right. The the hero has to travel across the landscape and overcome each obstacle to get to his end goal. Now, right? I would argue, yeah. does he change as a person? Because the hero's journey usually well, grow in he, some way, right? He doesn't, and that that's one of my problems with the with the. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he he's still a fu you know fu yeah. to the authorities yeah. at the end. That, I don't he think he doesn't change in any way. What he does yeah. he does at the very end. This is not really a spoiler, but I it, mean, the this whole movie's movie, so old. It, it's <laughs> Free of spoilers. The whole movie, he says, "Call me Snake, call me Snake, call me Snake." At the at, at one of the, the final very, very frames, end. he does say, "My name's Pliskin." So he does at some I minute, guess. but Brian, that's in not the whole, much of an arc. In the whole, I agree with you. <laughs> this this is a arc. character who, like, that is the largest change I observed. Uh, I, my my <laughs> other criticism is that this character has one emotion. This character has one delivery, one emotional energy. And and it's the same in every situation. It's the same with every line that's delivered. It doesn't matter if he just saw somebody die or if he, he almost died or whatever. He's just, he's angry. And it doesn't matter what's just happened. He's angry. I know you, he's either angry or slightly annoyed. 
I mean, yeah. I made, so I made a joke. Two, he's I, got the two. I right. made a joke at the end of like, oh, I'm feeling a, an emotion that's not anger. I'm so confused. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. because that's what this character, it, it, the character is so one dimensional for me. And and I don't know that I can understand as a campy, fun movie like that's not a lot of work and just you know you want to kick back some beers and have some fun. Yeah, well, you, ha- you, having you, having seen the thing. Which I think was came out a year after this. Would you say he has more of a growth as McCready versus Snake? I think I prefer McCready as a character. The Thing I think is a better movie, and um, I think get, I would have to revisit the Thing, but I think there mm-hmm. was at least more emotional breadth, depth. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I can see that. He, he that. knew he was going to die if he didn't escape. Yeah, he got the, the classic, uh, like, He's, he like was given neck, a choice. In, neck injections. Yeah. Very sci-fi thing to, like, pump things into a guy's neck and say, if you don't do this mission, your head's going to explode. Yeah. So he had no choice. And in The Thing, he had a choice. He could have just ran. Or at some point, does The Thing have a choice? I know, right? Because we know that they're both yeah. The Thing at the end. That's why... Bum, bum, do we bum, know that? Bum, we don't really know that. We we know John Carpenter that. refuses to, to confirm anything. Oh, no, no, no. no. At, convention, been, no. at conventions, he said, like, I'm not telling you. Yeah. The point is that you don't know. Yeah. And that's why the movie's creepy. That's what makes it good. But anyway, yeah. we're talking about Escape from New York. Yes. Yeah. Which is less creepy which, which and more had just a similar wild. soundtrack. It was John Carpenter knows what he likes to do. Yeah. And it's yeah. a lot of piano a lot and of, synth. A lot of deep bass. Boom, 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 boom. Kind of a drone boom, recurring. Boom, boom, boom. Yep. Yeah. 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 Which is like annoying to some people. You're I like liked it. Oh my God, it was boring. But I don't know if that's just a misplaced nostalgia or if I genuinely actually enjoy it. Well, you played video games when that was kind of what video games did. It did inspire Solid Snake, and I played all but like... I thought you said Metal Gear Solid. Two of the... Uh, uh, I mean, the character is Solid Snake. Oh, but the, the game Gear. series is Metal Gear Solid. Metal Gear Solid. Solid Snake's the protagonist. Yes. And then Big Boss the protagonist, and then Silent Snake later. is a, It gets real confusing. Okay. There's there's This had some legacy, is the way we can... Yeah, succinctly. Yeah, it inspired a few. It inspired quite a bit, I think, in uh, Hollywood and video games. It's just the product itself doesn't hold up as well as I thought it did. Well, yeah. I suggested for what? the podcast. I thought this is a fun cult but, classic movie. But like, I, I would, I would offer mm-hmm. that it did have several memorable characters, yes. like fun characters. Yeah, like there's Ernest Borgnine playing a cabbie who kind of just drives around and is a feel-good character. He's been driving a, for 30 years. He knows the city. Right. And, 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 and a welcome ter- injection of positive emotional energy. Right. Yeah. In this Which terrible yeah. city. Yeah. Yeah. There's, Brain. there's Brain. Brain. Played by Harry Dean Stanton. Yeah. Who's who's kind of the smi- smart guy that keeps the city running. Right. In in spite of its anarchy. Yeah. There's the, the crazy sidekick to the Duke of New York. Uh-huh. Which who? is... He kind of looks like William Defoe with crazy heat miser hair. Yeah, that's what it is. Heat miser. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. His, 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 it's it's some serious Afro action going and on. That guy only shows up twice, but he stands out every time. Yeah, and yeah. and kind of this henchman cackle like the little creature that sits next to Jabba the Hutt. Me, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that. Yeah. And then uh, we, we got the Duke played by Isaac Hayes and the Duke with his, with his, his dope, head. with his very cool, very apocalypse style, like chandelier headlights on his pink cat on his cat. Well, and his endless charisma that, that he brings, that he just role. brings to every role. Right? Just, yeah. and, and everyone was sweaty. Yeah. All which was a yeah. kind of a thing of the 70s and 80s like they didn't have people mopping everyone up off all the time like they kind of stopped happening towards like the 90s the people were less sweaty in movies then well it became effortless to be so successful and to do your mission impossible stuff it yeah. became effortless yeah. you didn't have sweat well, I mean if there was sweat it was the one droplet in mission like literally in mission impossible to 
to set off the alarm. That's a whole thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but uh, uh, what I what I want to yeah, ask is these look like people. They look like regular people. Uh, in 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 the genre of like films that have this dystopian future, you know, you could think of kind of RoboCop being you know companies gone wild. Like our you, beer. You could think. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dan just waved it in Aaron's face, and that's and why now I'm confused. completely distracted of other dystopian future movies. I like Mad Max. I think we were talking about yeah. a little bit. The Running Man. Um, well, the, so, yeah. The, in, absolutely logan's run like logan's run. where does this live in the the realm of dystopian future movies like, i want i feel like it kicked off a few of them it's kind of a kind of a trendsetter it has that i pointed out there's always like detritus and extra just junk sitting around because mm-hmm. like you and just random fires burning. people become random fires bur- trash fires burning yeah I mean, people just becoming hoarders in the apocalypse because you don't know when you're going to get another door so just hold on right. it's well, 15 doors i mean even uh blade runner or blade runner 2049 yeah you know the cities are always kind of dingy and uh-huh. and they're what's left over after all the rich people left earth yeah nothing or, or even uh elysium the movie elysium. with oh, elysium yeah the yeah. matt damon movie yeah. with yeah. matt damon yeah about garbage or well, shoot, idiocracy is technically a post-apocalypse movie you know in yeah. a sense and that's and messy as hell yeah. i feel like that one's not like sci-fi in the way that the other examples that we've been talking about are like essentially sci-fi about this like really dingy Earth future has decayed the cities have well, decayed so much. wally i was gonna say wally oh, yeah wally yeah. is like, just all trash and one little robot yeah or, or even uh, like i guess the matrix kind of because there's the kind of a horrible truth to that sort of yeah like, let, let, if it's real the, the little bit of trash there is is because there's just nothing else nowhere else to put it nothing else to do with it uh, huh. i I, mm. I feel like this is this was a, a good like jumping off point for people you know for people seeing this to be inspired like you know, in the same sense, like yeah. Metal Gear Solid was inspired by it. I think later post-apocalypse movies saw this and thought, oh, ooh, okay. Yeah, I like what they're doing. I can go with that. And it's simple. This is not a complex movie. It's no, very straightforward. Right, right. The, the plot is very, very narrow. There's not a lot of side story. There's a few extra characters you meet along the way who are like, oh, I thought you were dead. I heard about you. Yeah, Which, they, but it's but basically... It's there's snake. memorable characters, mm-hmm. but... There's not a lot of there's, character there's development. Literally, no, there's no. literally like 10 characters in this whole movie, literally. Yeah. Like yeah. there's the and guy, the vice president, there's the dude in charge, there's the scientist, there's our Shoot, I forgot about the scientist until he showed up at the end to x-ray yeah. out the, uh, the nanomite And, and he machines. does, he, he's like, I'm going to shoot you with this. And then, then he turns to the boss and says, tell him what it is. <laughs> yeah, and he's like, why would I do that? <laughs> it's like, it's like well, tell him. <laughs> like, you're going to say it right then, bud? Oh, what a weird way to, uh, yeah. what a truncated well, way to put that. Whole, saying, the whole purpose of the bombs was to motivate him to, to go quickly. And that doesn't work if he doesn't know they're going to blow up. Like, I think the, I think yeah. the move was, uh. Like get him in him and Plot then device. tell him, yeah, because he's not gonna let him happen from this nerd if you tell him hey, we're gonna put bombs in your neck now. Go get him, the uh, Chauncey or whatever, yeah, like, cowboy or whatever you call him. Yeah. So and when they got when he got into the city, there was literally the cabbie, the brain, the brains, Maggie, Maggie, hanger on. Uh, and then the, the one person who got eaten by sewer people. Yeah. Well, then oh, that, yeah, sewer. I would even consider that a, as a supporting role. That was just. Part of the the there's kind of a, a little bit of world building. I'd argue it's just that her, her, she was, yeah, she was telling scene. you out here at night, not a bit, not a good time to be here. She yeah. was in one scene, a little, little bit of like yeah, she uh, was yeah. as much a character as the the rat people, the homeless guy who was wearing the president's watch. Yeah, okay, right. yeah, lines, I guess, I guess so. Again, I mean they they leave. So it, I appreciate the fact that they don't explain everything. 
Like, how do people even get there? Do yeah. They just get dropped off? I, I, it's, it's that Mad Max style of world building where they, they just say a detail and just yeah. leave it up to the audience to say, it's, that's probably this. It's just a crap world and these people have to live in it. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's a point where uh, they reference something Snake did before the film's events and you're left to think, ooh, okay, he did something big that got him this... Notoriety. It, yeah. Like St. Petersburg. Yeah. And every everybody he meets Let, in the Lenny prison crash. knows who Snake Plissken is. They just all think he was dead. And they all think he's already <laughs> dead. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's kind of what we hope about some of the political figures of today's age. But we're not going to go. <laughs> we're digressing. Yeah. We're not that kind of podcast. <laughs> no. Again, we mentioned the political side of it. So you have a political figure, the president, who... Has been who's kind of a nothing sandwich, honestly. He is right. There's nothing to him, and it's just like, oh, rescue me, or blah blah blah. Or, I mean, oh, he's here. the MacGuffin for Snake. Well, yeah. that's the whole thing. Yeah. Is like the snakes. It's, it's like a video game, basically. You're given the mission. You're gone. You go in. You find the plot twist. Like, oh, his tracker's not on him. Where would he be? Get some information. Oh, he's here. Okay, there he is. Well, I was gonna, I said at one point that that character doesn't feel very presidential because they're just kind of hapless. Right. They're yeah. kind short, of flowing along. Short, fat, and bald. He, but, he, but he also just like accepts everything that's going on in this world around him. Like the, it, that, that character has no inner directive or action. Correct. No, no it, initiative. It, until the end when he does away with one of his tormentors. Oh, yeah. He does fire that gun. That looks pretty cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and and speaking of firing guns, I mean, let's, let's, dig, it, let's dig into the Hollywood clips. How and many the, uh, Hollywood clips are in this one? Like he literally squeezed in the trigger. He's he he's holding an Uzi, which at the time is about maybe twelve inches long, mm-hmm. and he had a silencer on the end of it that was twelve R- inches long. Ridiculous, uh, and a scope on this on the silencer on the silencer, yeah, which was like. Yeah. This makes no sense. I didn't catch and, what it was until like halfway through the movie and started cackling. Like this is and, a great design. Maybe so. It's like a pistol that you press. You press with the trigger with an and extended it's an auto. clip that maybe holds maybe 20. 40? No, Which, not even that. No, if it held forty, it'd be twice as long. So okay. it's about a twenty between 20 a, like round a, mag. a twenty-one mag. It stuck out the bottom. You can so see like, it wasn't yes, three totally seconds short. of shooting though. Like, it's literally you, if you've anyone who's ever fired a handgun. Now or I would. A rifle, the only argument I would make is. I'm not trying to like, you know, ride or die for this movie, but I would argue it's ostensibly a futuristic movie. The idea being maybe it's a futuristic gun. I don't know. So they have bullets that actually don't take physical space until you fire them. Kind of. <laughs> I play qu- a lot of. I play a lot of quantum bullets. Quantum bullets. <laughs> I played a lot of first-person shooters where it just had, gives you a little reader of like, yeah, here's all the, the ammo you have, and it lets you reload a whole clip after firing one bullet. I have 293 yeah. bullets left. Yeah, and now, I'm not. I'm not saying that forgives the film. It's obviously a huge like I, oversight, yeah. but I mean, maybe it's a like, future gun. You know, you think about <laughs> all the films that were prior to this that had weapons. I mean, you think of all of the war films and TV shows and things where people were firing. If I have a writer Western, I'm going to have a, a, like a shot where a guys like unloading the, the spent six shooter and reloading. I mean, that's one of my favorite things in Westerns is when they're reloading the six what? shells. To it, adds the it adds drama. It adds drama of yeah. like, is he going to finish in time? Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. he's currently vulnerable. Is he going to get blown away? Like that he, was one of the highlights he, for um, uh, the gray man. Yeah. What was them going like, I thought you loaded it. I didn't have time to load it. When did you see me? Lo-? It was like a nice little kind of call out yeah. to, to Hollywood clips. Yeah. I mean, he literally within like when he did land in New York and then was walking around like 
he lived there, even though everyone's like, who are you? Oh, it doesn't maybe, matter. Maybe he grew up there. We I don't know, know about St. Pliskin. Well, he had those camo tights that he had made those it like, yeah. Winter camo tights. They were kind of like BDUs, but they were tights because there was no folded fabric anywhere. It was like, ooh, those are some serious tight action going on right there. I don't know. A little what bit. That. You got to show off the whole. Uh, and then, then you, you, little, you got to show off the whole Russell. The, the snake magic. The snake magic. Because <laughs> then that shirt that he had on, the sleeveless shirt, which was kind of like neoprene. Like, but, but like silver. Uh, something Epaulette, in, uh, epaulettes on no, the kind of had like zips. Yeah, yeah. I don't know yeah. what was L- going listeners on Google it. Uh, it's a great look. <laughs> the epaulettes were for the Duke, who had this jacket that had these like old Napoleonic. Yeah, yeah. you know, on it on the shoulders. But that's was, the Duke. Oh, that's the Duke, Duke of yeah, New York. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So the costuming, I give an A plus. Yeah, costume. I, I would say yeah, costume yeah. design in this was great. And, I liked and, it. And there were a few moments in the film where there were time jumps that weren't. You just literally scene cut to scene. We're in the middle of the day, and now we're in the middle of the night. That, that and it's was, literally them running down a hall, and then suddenly it cuts, and we're, we're that like, felt a wow. little bit like they ran up against time budget, like a time crunch, and said, "We just make it happen." That's what it felt like to me. Was was John Carpenter saying, "All right, so we screwed up?" Because apparently he was filming from like like all night. Would go to sleep like six a.m., wake up around one to look at dailies, get ready, and then shoot all night. So he didn't see the sun for like a few months, which having worked an overnight shift before, it sucks. Yeah, it, it screws you up. So, so yeah. to the editor at the table, sure. How, yeah, Aaron. How could have this been <laughs> addressed more easily instead of, or is it they did a good job because they didn't have to? They said, okay, we're we were waving down a helicopter as it was landing in the middle of the day, and then suddenly we cut to a scene that it it feels like a continuation of the previous scene, but is not because now they're somewhere else. It's like what? I mean, they they probably could have shot a pickup where he's looking at his timer. Yeah. Because, the, I mean, that he was a device. He looked at it a lot. Yeah. And he mm-hmm, could have mm-hmm. said, oh, shit. You know, the, the timer is a 24-hour clock, and it's really countdown. And he could have just said, oh, my God, it's 8 a.m. I only have 16 hours. That's a good point. And that, that would be a simple way to talk about the ticking clock mm-hmm. and kind of mark you, okay, I'm at dawn. I'm at noon, I'm at sunset, and also at the same time talk about how much time you've right. got left. Yeah. So the film the film takes place over that twenty two hours. Right. And that, that could have been used as a I think a great dramatic device to, a plot to driver. use. It sort of was kind of, right. but they a lot weren't of specific about when the well, hours right, were. But, but I yeah. feel like as a viewer, like yeah, I got kind of muddled of like yeah, we, what time. We, we, we oh, had yeah. we right. had no sunset or sunrise. Right. We had full night. And full day. And then... Like, sort of sort of dawn? Two scenes with full day. There was one sort of dawn-ish. Like, kind of, where everybody was running around, they were, like, panicking. Like, this seems... It feels, like, early, but I wasn't sure. And and then two daytime scenes, and then suddenly we were full night again. Yeah, driving a car. Driving a car somewhere in New York. Which Dan did appropriately call out. Like, why is it night again? I I couldn't think of an answer. Like, I don't know. But we did talk about (laughs) at that point, like, oh, he's on a timer, and we know that there's a certain amount of time. So if it was 24 hours or 20 hours or 20... Or 18 hours later, yeah, it would he, be now, night again. The timer was separate from the thing he saw on the other guy's wrist, right? The tracker? Yes. yes. Yeah, okay. the timer was on his own wrist. That's right. Yeah. 
But and, and, and I think, I mean, there's I'm probably like higher standards now. I think if this movie were to have been made today, mm-hmm. there, there would have been, I think, a lot more attention paid to continuity. A lot more of that uh, you know, countdown would be used to drive some of the pressure. I could, al- I could almost see as part right. of like the, the visual effects and putting the timer on the screen a la 24. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like For like certain scenes, it's bloop, just ticking. Bloop, bloop. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that could have helped with the, the, the auditory... Yeah. yeah, portion of it as well where you hear Ratchet the ticking when you don't. But would have gotten it. away of all that beautiful synths and keyboard. I know. <laughs> Although so we talked briefly about the, uh, the the settings, like the, if it was a soundstage, if it was actually New York. Apparently, it was shot in Missouri, which I forgot yeah, about. St. Louis. And I love the sets. The sets look. I thought the sets looked great. It, it, felt, it felt appropriately, you know, post-apocalyptic. Post-apocalyptic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even though it wasn't, it was just like, oh, hey, you have no running water, you have no power. Well, it was nothing. messy looking, which is what I assume post-apocalypse messy, is like. Yeah. I've and seen The Walking Dead. Yeah, it when, just looks like a trash When heap. there's no government services, there's no electricity, there's no running water. The, the, these scuzzy criminals aren't going to do anything about there's it. There's no food, so people are cannibals. Right? Yeah. That's the way it is. Yeah. Well, and, and people will come out through manhole covers in the street. Come up from the sewers, hunting for other people, hunting for other people, and they'll move in a way that's unnatural for a human, yeah, but yeah, like a as if they're of zombies a or rats. Right? They and they had a couple that looked very zombie-like. Yeah, and their their movement as soon as you saw the dudes running around like little pack of rats, it shot. It, the shot to, went to, to him actual rats. in in a building with rats at his feet. So Which feels like, like a classic right. film yeah. technique of, hey, we want you, we want to evoke this feeling. Here's what you're looking at. Yeah, let me shift to a metaphor. So, mm. is this a a uh, like dystopian sci-fi movie with some horror movie elements? Zombie I don't know about movie? the horror because mo- the the well, point the, of horror is that you feel like you're helpless. The snake never feels helpless. Yeah, he never Even feels he, anything. Blake, I mean, we talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> he's just I, there. I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm going to continue my point. Uh-huh. He he's the badass hero who even when he gets a, an arrow in his leg continues to whip ass kill dudes and doesn't stop till he's overrun by uh too many enemies yeah <laughs> so i'd say less horror and more just you know you're seeing how messed up this world is through the lens of this of our uh, uh eye-patched hero or protagonist i suppose yes. I, he's not even a hero he's an anti-hero yeah 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 at the at the very most <clears throat> anti-hero yeah he's like i i'm being that's why forced that's why to he pivoted do, to protagonist yeah i'm being forced to do something i don't want to do screw you guys but i'm gonna do it because i'm gonna don't want to i'm gonna die. light this match on this table and smoke this cigarette yes. he, he is kind of a selfish a selfish character yeah well he doesn't want to die it, it's kurt russell lobbied to get this role to shake off his disney image because he did a lot of other disney a lot of disney films as a kid before doing this and the thing so this kind of helped him uh shake the thing off the being the movie called the thing yes not the not just john, doing, sorry, doing sorry. The thing. john carpenter's the thing john carpenter's yes. the thing and then, then and this is finally, also John Carpenter's Escape from New York. Yes. So how many? It's of the his, other thing that John Carpenter. How many movies of his say John Carpenter's? Before um, the John title Carpenter's movie? Halloween, I think, is one that does it. Halloween, no, it, Halloween's it really that. good. Honestly, it's <laughs> it, a good horror movie. It is John Carpenter's Halloween. Hell yeah! Yes, it really it, is. was it Escape from L.A. Was John Carpenter's Escape from L.A.? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Not to be confused with anybody else's that, Escape. That's from probably LA. written into all his contracts. Yeah, yeah. If you want him as the director. He's going gonna to put his name uh, apostrophe up uh, front, uh, 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 possessive apostrophe s title well, of movie because it's his. So, damn it! Speaking yeah. of uh, contracts, I'm sure there were some uh, brewing contracts that led to brewing production. Oh, uh, yeah, led yeah, to yeah. a future so where smooth. where we were able to drink 
I mean, that's the best we got because there's no drinking in this movie. We there's drink while none. watching this movie. Yeah, we drink while watching it. We also hydrated a little bit. We, uh, I, I'm later. sure that people we, were doing like uh, some kind of hooch, some kind of toilet wine, moonshine, toilet wine, gin, bathtub gin in the toilet. Some people were making bathtub gin in that prison. What do we think Ernest Borgnine was drinking? Bathtub gin. Yeah, he's a bathtub gin man. Ethanol, ethanol, pure ethanol. Like a little for the a little for the taxi cab, a little for old Ernest Borgnine. Go go go. Yep, yep. What was his character's name? I I don't know. He's he's mermaid man to me. He's just the taxi driver. right? The taxi driver. Cappy. All right. So this look it up. This is the point in time of the podcast where we're going to start talking about beers. So we we watched Escape from New York. Yeah, he's just called Cabby in the Cabby. Nice. Nicely done, Brian. Uh, yeah, we had a couple of West Coasty style, some do- double dry hopped IPAs, EPAs. Uh, we knew what we were going to watch ahead of time. We had stopped at Cerveza the other day, and I was like, "Hey, we're we're watching this post apocalyptic film." So I found a can that has a skull and a really interesting bit of artwork the on can, the front. The can works Green great. Giraffe. I love the can work. Dystopia IPA and the other one I was thinking, well, oh, he good uses- lord, I, had, I hadn't seen this. Part yeah, yet. the lights were off when we were drinking these. Aaron didn't get a preview. Wow, it's pretty, that, it's that is very uh, apocalyptic, very dystopian sci fi future. Uh, and here, you need to and then the and then the other can, of course, we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, Pocket a- Forensics, which is just a matchbook on this kind of with a fly swatter, with a fly swatter. It is, and, and a couple of matches are gone. So you want to say, well, okay, what the heck? Where's that a spatula? I, I think it's a fly swatter. Okay. I don't think it's a spatula because it's a little too flat. Okay. Does it say something about me that I just gen- I genuinely saw it and thought, yeah, spatula. It never crossed my mind to be a fly swatter. <laughs> I don't know. It could be many things because it's just a black shape on a white space. It, it could be toast with a knife. Because, uh, I mean, oh, so dear could. listener, it it's it's just the, the, the black the silhouette of a shape. And, uh, you know, we can't really... A rectangle with yeah. another line coming out? A rectangle with a line uh, departing. The inside of a matchbox. All right, and, all right so again. Dystopia West Coast IPA from Grains of Wrath, 7% unknown IBUs. Uh, it, it has some interesting things in it, but I'm going to let Aaron read some copy for us. It's a bold West Coast IPA featuring Simcoe, Citra, and HBC 586 hops of bright flavors and aromatics of tropical punch, pine, mango, and citrus. The end is nigh. Drink beer. Now, how would yes. Snake Plissken read it? He'd be really <laughs> angry and he'd say, a bold <laughs> West Coast IPA and F you government. I think it'd be more like, <laughs> a bold West Coast IPA featuring Simcoe, Citra. But he had only one anyhow. So yeah, this was a lovely one, beer. Yeah, anyway. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that was, that was a beautiful reading. Uh, um, thank you. We digress yeah. a little bit. So yeah, Green's it's a nice copy. I, I like this. Out this. of the Couve, out of Vancouver, well, Washougal and... And is this the one that I compared to like uh, a shoegaze or noise rock where it was like there's so much intense noise you begin to hear stuff out of it? So, like, the hops on this, dear listener, are are so over the top, so intense that you begin to like pick out some of the fruit amongst the the incredible noise, the shoegaze distortion guitar that is the hops in this in this beer. And that's when you first drank it. I noted as I was taking my time and sipping it, it. Tastes a bit smoother as it warmed up. Settled down as it warmed up, which some beers do. And this one does that. Which we all do, hopefully, as we grow older, (laughs) is to settle down a little bit. Just a little bit. Aaron. I'm settling up. I don't know what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) That's why Aaron's always punching dudes. All right. Our non-hop drinker in the crowd, Mr. Brian, thoughts? Too much? It was fine. We we all agreed when we took our first sip, boy, this is a hoppy beer. Mm -hmm. But it was okay. I've, I've tasted... Far more hoppy beers yeah. that I that I didn't like. 
And, and this was okay. And again, remember, folks, IBUs don't equate to the amount of flavor bitterness you're going to get. IBUs is just the international bitterness. You start paying me a dollar every time you say it around oh me because I'd be I could retire at this point. It's like chemical yeah. bitterness. So so the other chemical day bitterness. I had a beer that <laughs> that was a, a beer style that wasn't supposed to have like barely any hot flavor to it. It was it was like, hey, this is just an amber ale. Yeah, and it had like seventy IBUs, but you didn't taste them. Mm. So again, depending on what the flavor profile is of the hops, that's what you're going to get. And so again, Simcoe and Citra, typical. So Simcoe is pine, Citra is the citrus, HBC, which is an an acronym for the... Yeah, you know me. Yeah, (laughs) HBCA. So it's they didn't name it. It's like that's just the uh, scientific name that the hop has been assigned before it gets then mass produced and then put out there. So it's like an experimental hop. Mm -hmm. Probably has like the New England style juicy kind of character that we were getting out of it. That tropical punch. Mm -hmm. And then I mean, I did get the citrus and mango and stuff like that. That came through over the hops. It does. It does. I got some citrus, but I didn't get any of the mango. I'm not too super familiar with what mango flavors are. A really nice medium body. Not overcarbonated. There was some carbonation in it, so you mm-hmm. knew that. Oh, hey, I'm sipping it a little dancing on the tongue when you sipped it. Most of us drank it out of a can. Aaron, you had it out of a glass, didn't you? Or no, was or it? Brian, did. Brian had it out of a glass. Brian was nice enough to let so, me uh, get a, 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 a nose of it. Yeah, aromatics. The... Did it when you when it was first poured? What did you smell? If you remember, I don't remember specifically this beer. Mm-hmm. I can talk a lot more about the aromatics of the second beer. Okay. What, well, Dan, if I can ask, um, yeah. you know, no. we're, we're we're saying earlier, like IBUs, it's a chemical measure. Yes. It's not necessarily related to the the, the perceptive flavor. hoppiness Correct. of the beer or the perceptive bitterness of the beer. Well, what can a brewer do when they're brewing if they want to accentuate some of those hops? or maybe downplay some of the hop and bring out some of the other dynamics that are in a beer. So you're either going to, it's determinant on when you add it to the boil, if you're adding the hop to the boil, or if you're going to add it as a secondary or a tertiary, a third hopping, uh-huh. where you're taking raw product and putting it into the beer. Like steeping it almost steeping like tea. Steeping it like a tea, but it's just normal temperature. Okay. So you're you're just, you're putting a either a pellet or fresh leaf or whole leaf or something, some sort of huh. form factor or even extract because there are hop extracts, hop oil extracts, mm-hmm. you can add directly to your beer to give it flavor and to give it bitterness. I know our longtime listeners will be like, I can't believe Aaron's asking this same question again. Blake's yeah, like that right, right now. Um, but uh, dry hopping. Dry hopping means they're using a dry product. And they're putting it on the secondary or, or but the third. But beer is wet. Yeah. Okay. But the product you're putting in is not. So, <laughs> so the hops are dry. Is this you're a lore? Fresh. You're adding fresh it to the. Means, is it the wort? Adding fresh hop the... means it's not been dried out. So it, bum, dry bum, hopping bum. means the product's been dried out. So <laughs> science, they, I'm telling you. Do they put it, is, is it like lumber? Do they put it into like a kiln at a low heat and like and like cure it? No, they, they, they stuff a whole uh, log you know, into they, the brew. They 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 let it dry out and okay. then they they create pellet out of it. They pelletize it. So oh, they pull right. the I've leaf matter have, off. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. They it looks like little rabbit food, little teeny pellets, like rabbit food. Yeah. The, um, and then to to just add then fresh hops, it would be the same as any agricultural product. When you see the term wet hop, that's a fresh hop. That's what that, that means. That seems like it's, I hear that less often. Yeah. Is that because it's just like the norm and BAU or is it just because would, it's not? Would that be like a language thing? It like loose tea? Yeah. Sort of? Well, okay. So dry hops can be loose leaf. Okay. They can be freeze, freezer, like they can be freeze dried. Freeze dried from a wet product to a dry product when you freeze dry them because the freezing pulls all the, li- all the liquid out. It turns it to ice. 
And then when you put it into your product, it's not necessarily a wet product. It's been fr- freeze, freeze, freeze dried. So yeah. Um, we're getting into a lot of stuff I'm not terribly 100% familiar with. I, right. you know, I, I don't know a lot about hot production and how they handle it on the back end, but having seen and been to a few places that do grow hops and they have a giant thing, they just, it, depending on the time of season and what they're, how much of the crop they're producing to do as fresh mm-hmm. versus pelletized versus flash frozen. So the, you still take the fresh matter that you would sell as a wet hop and you're just freezing that. And then you, you can just, you can get loose leaf, but when you're doing loose leaf, it's a 10, 10 to one ratio. So if I need one ounce, I then need 10 ounces of leaf matter versus 10 out one because ounce. Because wet, pellet. it takes up more volume. It's not been palletized and compressed. Been pressed. Correct. Yeah. Because you still have additional matter that's this in it, not just the filler, leaf. so to speak. Yeah, there's a lot of stems and, you know, the, the, mm. the. The parts of the leaf and that, flies that and don't bugs provide. And yes, <laughs> no, seriously, and even and even pelletized Rat people living the, underneath. My, the, my wife's the gardener; she grows hops. Yes, so, so. so there's I, I there's that, things in it that yeah. So you can use them at different stages. So you can use them fresh. You can use them dry. You can freeze them. Freezing them eliminates some of the bacteria, the water, and, and the bacteria the and, and and things. So freezing is actually the best product. It just takes a lot of that matter to get the same amount that you would out of a pellet. This sounds like a lot of it is kind of more recent innovation with brewing and brewing technique and brewing you methodology. You can thank the pod industry for that. But uh, the, well, uh, probably for a lot of things, but uh, I will noise. say I, traditionally, you know, where Portland is situated in the Willamette Valley, it's the, the perfect growing conditions for hops. Yes. And my understanding is that the microbrew culture really took hold here in Portland because we, we had hops accessible with perfect growing conditions and then from the cascade mountains exceptionally pure water yes and those are the two main ingredients that you need to make a really good beer and and i think you know there are some maybe historic advantages for you know portland or you know there are certainly places in in, uh, germany or the czech republic or other places that have you know these these agricultural advantages but i think the industry like there's been a lot of kind of um levelers that have happened that allow, you know, you could be in St. Louis uh, where maybe it's more difficult to grow hops and, you know, some but of those. But you can access you can good act, hop yeah, matter. Because yeah, because you can find these freeze-dried or the pellets or, the, you know, the the other recent innovations and still make a really incredible beer. And, and in a way, I think that's really good for beer drinkers because, oh, yeah. you know, now we've got uh, a whole lot more players in the industry that, you know, can experiment. And, you have more, op- you have more options. You have more options. And then also too, uh, yeah, uh, more competition too, I think is kind of, you know, that's in the end good for everybody. Oh yeah. It, it feels similar to capitalism, not, not to get too meta, but with podcasting, like the, the only people talking into a microphone you could hear were like either coast radio stations and a couple of, uh, I'm Hugh Downs. Thank co- you for joining. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like a couple yeah. of spots within across the, uh, the U S where it's like, Oh man, story. this is a, <laughs> you got your your Howard Stearns. You got your uh, boy. I, I go to Hugh Downs. You got Howard Stern. God, like, that's the, a lot. Well, I'm trying to think of like <laughs> a, a New York. Jump. Well, that's I'm trying to think jump. of a New York based shock shock v- DJ, and then like a a West Coast, which I can't think of any. But I know West oh, Coast. Oh, was, was there, there was a guy named like uh, uh, Izzy something, um, something like that. Yeah. But basically, like, Rodney in the, in the, on the Rock. <laughs> in the sense of you know that's all you had, and now we're fortunate enough to be able to just record ourselves. Like Dan got this wonderful equipment to for us to record. 
these uh, wonderful discussions yeah. on. I mean, uh, now I can in, find in a, a podcaster vein. named Lisa in every U.S. state and listen to their podcast. Yeah, yeah. it's a similar vein. Uh, okay, so I can't think of a good way to, to segue into the second beer. I was trying to fly swatter. I was trying to We've digressed way off. A clap was, but that's okay. I was trying to find a way to work it back in. I failed. I apologize. Again, the second beer is called Pocket Forensics. Oh, this is double dry, double dry hopped IPA from Double Dog Dare. Fast fashion art. I'm not so going to look that, t- that pole again. In the indi- in the industry, it's called a DDA, double dry hopped. Double dry. That, DDA. Well, DDA. Shouldn't that be DDH? D- DDA yes, is DDH, demand deposit sorry, account. Yeah, That's yeah. a banking term. Yeah, oh, man. Gross. DDH. Yeah. This is a beer that is fairly new. Da-da. It's not what I don't believe it's one of their core beers because Pocket I had to do a little digging on the research for it. But this is 6.8% IBU is unknown. Uh, so double dry hop means they they put double the amount of normal hops you would for a New England style into it, which I think because they used Eldorado, Freestyle New Zealand, oh, Cascade, uh, Cashmere. Yeah, Cashmere. That was, gonna, that's the only marketing copy I had to There's read, not dude. a lot of copy. Uh, Rude with Eldorado, Freestyle, uh, New Zealand, Cascade, NZ. New Zealand? New Zealand. All right. And, and New Zealand, Cascade, and Cashmere hops. Uh, it's warm, cozy like a sweater. So I, I was going to ask, darn it, you, you, I, I lost it when Aaron started doing the copy. You're saying, oh, the IBUs. Yes. The fact that they don't have IBUs, is that... That's not. Is that a problem? It's is not that, a problem. Like, what, it is how, what, what it makes is. it so you? What makes it where you can't identify that? And, and so I'm this not, is the amount, as brief as possible. I'm just curious because I know we've been running that, into that a lot. Yeah. Of just oh, IBUs. We don't know. Like I'm curious why you don't have it for everything. When they're coming up with the recipe and they're putting into the software they're using to tell them yes, and here's how the oh. outcome is going to be from the recipe. They're not doing. They may. This is a fairly small brewery. Grains of Wrath, maybe they have test kitchen or a, a lab that they can send it to and do the chemical analysis of what's in it. Holy cow. You, it's based off of the recipe. So even as a home brewer, I'm using websites that have calculators to tell me what the IBU, what the oh. SRM, what, what everything is going to be based on the ingredients that I'm putting in because it knows what the alpha acidity is. You put that number in. So, so if they're percent. making this like the first time, they might not be able to tell you exactly what all the numbers are. Not not if it's a bigger production, yes. But if it's a smaller place, no, because they don't have a lab to send the inf- to send and do the testing with. Because that's a that's expensive. That's right. super and expensive. it's okay. a new recipe. And if especially yeah. if this is not a year round beer, that makes sense. Um, cool. That, so, that, I, I was just curious about that part, but I personally like this one a little bit better. So yeah. as a New I, I England like, style, double dry hopped. So what happens when you double dry hop with Eldorado and Cashmere, which are the two main hops? It's a good song, as I have seen. In most New England style, so super, super cushy on the tongue. It's just super dank, super rich. When you overhop with it, it becomes very rounded. I was going to say, it's not like that citra. It's there's not the resin. not in your face. No, I didn't yeah. get any there's citra no right either. No. This is just round. This is a fully it's, different beer. No. It's like a coat on the tongue. So literally, like, take that winter coat and attach it yep. to your tongue because it's going to coat it <laughs> and sit L- there. Kids, lick your winter tongue like a yes. cashmere sweater. And 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 I can actually talk about the aromatics with this. Yes, yeah, yeah, let's, let's uh, dig into it. So I'm I I had this uh, out of a glass, and it smelled like kind of warm tobacco to me. A little bit. And it was like, really comforting and nice, mm. and a nice way to start my drink, my taste. Did it have any like sweetness note? Did you get any like raw sugar or just like wet sugary kind of vibe off of the nose? Because I know that. Out of the copy and the things, the reviews that I've seen, it's like dank, slightly tropical, kind of earthy, very gentle. Yeah, er- earthy and gentle and maybe sweet. But I mean, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not a professional taster. It felt like walking into a tobacco drying barn in the summer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's kind of, kind of the smell it evokes. It, it's it's, it's, it's like home for me, the Virginia native. <laughs> so double dry hopping means, again, you're on your secondary. So you, you have your primary fermentation. You rack it off or move it into another vessel. And then you're adding what you would normally add for a secondary hopping, double the amount. So you have a lot of vegetal matter. Mm-hmm. That's residually going to give you a lot of aromatics. Yeah. So double dry hopped is like double quantity, yes. not repeating the process a second time. No. Yeah. And, and and I would say, you know, the first beer, I didn't really take a big whiff, but this one, I smelled something as it approached my face and I thought, hey, let's, give let's it a shot. smell the nose. Yeah. yeah. So as probably a beer that has over 60 IBUs. It's it's going to be really high because of the amount of hops that they put into it. A lot of the hopping is going to occur when they do the boil. That's where you're going to get your residual alpha acidity. But when you do dump a lot of hops into it, you A, take the risk of introducing bacteria so it could get funky. You, you, you trust that the manufacturer is treating their product right and you're not going to have bug matter and other things in it, but you never know. And it doesn't say if they used whole leaf or pellet. I'm mm-hmm. going to assume they used pellet because whole leaf is, if you were to expensive. dry hop with whole leaf, oh my, I've done that once. Yeah. It not only makes a gigantic freaking mess, <laughs> it's really expensive. And again, it's a 10 to one ratio. So right. if I have to use one pound of pellet hops, I have to use 10 pounds of leaf hop. Right. And so if you're doubling that amount, that's how much volume of water are you taking up? Your whole vat is going to be nothing but leaf. But leaves, yeah. And that's not positive. You're not going to get a good outcome from that because you're introducing way too much opportunity for bacteria and things on that leaf matter. Even if it's been frozen or whatever, you're still taking that risk. And then, that the bacterial load and, is and just that much higher. How much of the liquid then gets absorbed into that leaf matter is going to reduce the amount of output you have. So. Mm. I'm, I'm guessing they probably use pellet because when most double and triple dry hop, they all use pellet because of just simply the, the, the a amount of quantity it takes and expense because it is so expensive to do it. It is not cheap. And you can, you can do it year round because they're going to freeze dry a certain amount and those producers are going to put aside. You put your order in at the beginning of the growing season. Right. This is what we need for the year. They grow to that. They produce. They give the people that have paid ahead of time for those hops. They know what they're doing each year. Breweries know what they're making each year. Or it's like water rights in, in Arizona. Yeah. Like you've paid ahead <laughs> for the product and you hope the batch turns out because then you have to go That's to somebody else if it doesn't and hope they have enough. Right. That's wholly so, appropriate. Yeah, we've, we've digressed again into something completely different than talking about the beer itself. So, so do we, what beer. do we think matched the movie better? The second one. The second one was way better, in my opinion. My humble opinion. This was not a shoegaze movie. It was not like no, noise hops, <laughs> wall of sound. No, I'm like it was. No one's that, gazing at any shoes in this one. The uh, no, I, I think the the pocket forensics worked better. Is also, yeah. Boy, I, I liked I, them both. I mean, normally I'm not a hop head, but that that first one, even though it had such over the top hop, uh, uh, you know, d- d- notes to it, like. I, I liked it, but I, I think the second one matched the movie. I feel like the first one, once it warmed up, matched the movie pretty well. It's about what I expected to, yeah, to it, flavor wise. It, it was while far watching more the movie. enjoyable as it warmed up, I would say. The second one was good. I liked it, but I didn't yeah. like it for this movie as much. I would have right. I would have liked to watch something like uh maybe like a historical documentary or something while watching the second one. But for this like silly 
at, at this point, kind of silly. This was a historical documentary. They didn't have cell phones we, or pagers. I they forgot we phones. pitched that bit. <laughs> we, they had phones on online, on, on yeah. wired. I was like, wired telephone. Uh, Landlines. Show this to anyone under the age of 20, and they're going to freak the hell out. They're going to be like, uh, what is that? A phone? That's not a phone. But yeah, I, I, I feel. A computer? <laughs> to to it us. took the whole room? <laughs> to get back to beer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, valid point, Dan. Mm. But I feel like the first one, once it warmed up, matched the movie really well. Yeah. In in my opinion, but you you might sway my opinion with that argument. But uh, yeah, this movie is sillier than I remembered. I pitched it when we were saying we should watch next. I thought, oh, I haven't watched this in a while. This could be fun. And then ten minutes in, oh, this is not what I remembered. <laughs> <laughs> I was much younger and much more easily influenced by film. <laughs> I'll get much it. more easily amused. All right, so Aaron, which which of these two beers do you prefer? Uh, I, I like them both. I think, um, what once, uh, I don't know, once, once the, the grains of wrath warmed up, I, li- I think I liked the dystopia a, a little bit better. Um, and that, that first sip is a little shocking Harsh. with, with so much, uh, you know, hop in that beer. The same vibe you get from watching the president's plane crash into the world trade center. Right, yeah, and this, this like egg, uh, it, you know, this egg. yeah, this egg, egg sort of, uh, kind of emergency of escape, uh, pack yeah, lifeboat down through the, right. He's, he's, he were like, is he Mork? Because Mork came out of an egg too. He went yeah. in an egg and did he come out of it? There was like, I would have loved to see Robin Williams just pop out and start do, just vamping. It's like, Oh, Oh boy. Oh, we're in Manhattan. Oh, uh, city of angels. Ooh, oh, no wrong city. <laughs> Yeah, that's the second movie. Yeah. 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 Anyway, <laughs> so I apologize for that terrible Robin Williams impression. <laughs> you're forgiven. I, you know, I, I think this is an interesting film. If you've never seen it, if you have young people under the age of thirty, if you got people, if you got people in want, their thirties, they might appreciate the nostalgia. The throwback. Feel of it, yeah. Maybe? Anyone, I, it, anyone it, under thirty, it's going to be a hard sell. Well, if, I, if I would say like camp. If they like yeah. camp, if they like campy movies, yeah, that's probably like, that's yeah. I like it. Yeah, I would say it's part of cultural literacy. Yeah, I wow. mean it. It was very much a moment in time. A moment in time. It was an early '80s film. This is a quintessential early '80s film. I, I, I hold it up there in the same kind of light, along those with like Ghostbusters, because there's the <laughs> visuals. The reality of New York, what wow. it was, it was gritty, and I'm thinking just from a cultural visual standpoint, not what the the, the actual movie was about, but <laughs> yeah. just the fact that they could show what it was at that moment in time. Whereas this was made up dystopia, you know that one showed it. They're just driving around the streets. It's just like we have a family, we have a camera on the corner, and we're just panning with them. Is that go. thing that always annoys me? Which I understand, but it's the thing that always gets on my skin of the the city's a character. Like, yeah, but. Is it? People use it so often, I feel like they're copying out a lot. This one, the city was nothing. The city was a backdrop for our lead to be sort of menacing and always cranky. Yes. <laughs> well, shooting at people and, and escaping, poorly escaping rat people. He should have just ran down the street. He should have. <laughs> Not keep going up in the building. He should have used some of those bullets he, he made a door for himself with. <laughs> yeah. That's right. <laughs> and there was at least 40 bullets that he did that with. And I was like, oh, that's pretty impressive for a guy with one eye showing. Yeah. yeah. No, like, how do you shoot a gun with pretty one good eye? perception? Death perception. Very carefully. Anyway. So anyway, uh, movie of the, of the century. Yes. Better than Casablanca. Uh, <laughs> we're kicking, we're four kicking, and a half out of 10. Kicking, kicking the new year off with a strange <laughs> one and dystopian and future. I'm, and that was I, in the past. It's a dystopian rec- yeah. past that we seek to embrace. I, I'd say, I, I, you know, I'd recommend it if you like camp, if you like kind of, um, well, yeah, if you like camp. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad movie. I don't regret watching it, but right. like, I don't think I'm ever going to see it a second what? time. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm good. 
if, if you watch it, you'll know what other people are talking about when they right. reference the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. And if you're, there's if you're not on a whole Kurt, lot of references from this. Yeah, if you're on a Kurt Russell run, it's worth popping in. Yeah. 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 It's part of the 80s nostalgia. Yeah. yeah. The, I mean, the, yeah. If I had to pick, I'd go Tombstone over this, but that is just, yeah. that's for another day. Uh, Blade right. Runner. What about Blade Runner? He's not in Blade Runner. In Blade no, Runner. I was going to say, if you were to choose between Blade Runner and this movie. Mm. Oh, oh, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I'd take yeah. Blade Runner. That's like, yeah. not a hard choice. Yeah. All right. That that's tricky. much one's, more artful. One's, one's well done and one is not. Between this movie <laughs> and getting a nail in your leg. <laughs> oh, this movie. this movie. This <laughs> movie. All right. Yeah, this movie. This movie. All right. So, as always... The opinions expressed during the taping of this recording are those of the hosts, and we want to thank you for hanging out and listening and find some interesting beers to have if you're going to watch it, or find yourself some lemonade and have the kids. If you don't do their hydrate, thing. you're going to die. Because there's like practically very little to no nudity. There's very little to no foul language, more than you would hear on normal cable TV today, anyway. And not necessarily kid appropriate, but teenager appropriate. The yeah, teenagers, teens if, if they dig the eighties, they'll like this. Teens so. could find themselves to put on TikTok on this. Yeah, well, and, they, would, they would film themselves watching it. The, <laughs> the the violence and death here is not like over the top gory or anything. No, there's like no, that. There's no like fairly understated blood or anything. Yeah. It's it's yeah. very 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 mild. Yeah. So yeah. all right, well. Well, uh, thanks for listening and joining us, listener. Until next time, please do your part to keep the crime rate from growing to four hundred percent. This is Blake Pliskin signing out. Oh, God. <laughs> and this is Brian. Remember, put some sandaliers on your cars. Oh, they, they're classy. So thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll catch you on the next episode. John Carpenter.